Be the right club. Be the right club today. Yeah. I mean, that's better than most. How about him? That is better than most. Better than most. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome back to the No Laying Up podcast. We're missing Porath. We almost got the full Ryder Cup recap group back together. Calling in from St. Louis, we have from ESPN, Kevin Van Valkenburg, and from CBS, Kyle Porter. You guys are in the same hotel room. I usually hate doing a three-man weave remote podcast, but how uh, I need you guys to try to explain what you saw today. You guys were on the grounds. We were watching at home on TV. Uh, I can't even imagine the unspeakable things you witnessed today. <laughs> I think you just stole my line. I've I know. I didn't I didn't mean things. to. It's okay. It's Porter's original line. Anyway, I was going to just rip it off from him. So, uh, what, did it, what, what was the origin of that line? It was the Spieth thing. Spieth, when Spieth, uh, oh, he, he, right. when we came, Porter and I went out and watched Spieth dump two in the water. And then it was like an hour before we could get back to the uh, media center at Augusta. And when Porter did, he said, I've seen unspeakable things. <laughs> so this was just the, it was the positive. It was unspeakable in a good way. So it was awesome out there. It was really so much fun today. It was, it was sort of surreal. I mean, there, there were people, it was, it was kind of pandemonium. There were people climbing trees. I mean, I, you probably saw it on TV, but every human being at the tournament had their phone up in the air trying to just, and it wasn't even like, like when, when people are recording this stuff, it's not like quality. They're not even like, <laughs> they're not even like close to Tiger or to anybody that's playing. They just want this like sliver of history and just a glimpse of Tiger, or, you know, some of the other guys as well, but mostly Tiger. And it, it you know, I, I, I wrote this in uh, my, my piece on Sunday night, but, I've never, I think, been in a tournament where not only, I mean, obviously the galleries were like 15 and 20 deep, but the the inside the ropes <laughs> crew was like two or three deep. Like it was, it was a struggle to like see from inside the ropes, which was insane. But yeah, it was, it was wild. Shout out to the PGA of America because normally like inside the ropes, like they're so mean and nasty. Like, you know, if you dare cross the fairway, if you're, you know, you know within escape an arm's length of the rope. They'll flip out. Like, USGA is really sort of at about that. PGA was just like, whatever, man. Like, Bell Reef is awesome. Like, anybody who wants to come in here is going to be just embraced. And so, I mean, we were like, I was sitting on the 17th tee box, like, two feet from Adam Scott. And he's like, looking at me like, bro, what are you doing here? <laughs> so great. It was, I mean, I'm of Porter's point about the phones thing. I'm of the opinion that there are, exist in the world like more blurry, shitty pictures of Tiger Woods than any athlete has ever lived. So I, I'm not going to lie. Going into the week, I was definitely not envious of anyone being there at all. I think the bigger the event, the more fun it is to actually watch on television just because it's so hard to choose the right group to follow or whatnot. I, but I, I just want to know kind of what it was like for you guys to be on the ground. What did you follow? Because, I mean, a lot of people don't really realize when you're there, You got if you don't pick the right group, you're, you've missed out on the day. Like, you've missed out on all the action. If you're hearing roars from other places and you probably don't get cell phone service out there, so you can't really tweet your way around it. But I'm just, just please tell me you guys were both with Tiger all day. Just please just tell me that. I mean, it's pretty accurate. I peeled off a little bit for Brooks at the end. I didn't see the birdie on 18, so KP will have to sort of tell about that. But 
I, I was kind of told to go follow uh, Brooks at one point by ESPN, and I was like, mm, okay, I'm not missing this history, though. This is history, baby. This so might be did, worth losing my job for. For the record, I did my job. I wrote a great Brooks column, I think, but I was there for as much of Tiger. It, you just couldn't leave it, man. It was just it was a magnet. I, was, I ran back and saw the wedge that he hit into 15 that almost dunked it, and it was the way he celebrated, Kyle and I were talking about this, like, you couldn't tell if it was a mixture of like I'm happy or I'm so still angry about the bogey at 14. Like you know, thinking like if I just hadn't bogeyed that, I would you know be like I, I would be thrilled right now because I'd be within one of the lead. But I don't know what it looked like for you, but uh, Kyle was a little bit closer. What did you think of? Uh, well, actually, in terms of following people, you guys didn't see this, but when Tiger entered the arena this morning, I was actually off camera with my hat backwards and my sunglasses. <laughs> Agent Killhouse reporting for duty. Oh, Only man. Tiger could show up with a backwards hat and like like looking like a dad out of the late 1990s and everyone think it was cool. Like if Zach Johnson shows up looking like that, <laughs> I'm also screenshotting it. Like, oh, look at this tool. Like, look at this. This is bullshit. <laughs> I mean, it was just so perfect. It was like, you know, I, I was humming glory days on the way to the course, just like ready for it all to, to play out and he somehow delivered. I mean, to, to me, like the fact that that was the lowest round that he's ever shot on a Sunday and a major you called is it. amazing. Yeah, I did call it. I said to Kyle, I said, I think that this is in the middle of the round. I was like, I think this is going to end up being the best round that he's ever shot. I think it's, he shot 65 against Bob May. And I was like, I think this is going to surpass that. And it did. And that's kind of where I, I, I rank this. I, I, I'm so hesitant to use the word historic, yet I somehow probably use it on pretty much every podcast. But this <laughs> actually did feel like that. And like he played good enough to win. Like Brooks was just too good. But the guy shot 17 under on his last 70 holes. The fact that one other like superhuman guy beat him doesn't really mean that much to me. And we'll get to kind of Kepka here in a second. But like that was a... That was worthy of a victory. The guy was so unbelievably good with his irons, especially today, uh, that you know I don't have no problem kind of putting that in a historical historical realm. I mean, this is kind of one of the greatest. I still think one of the greatest sports stories ever that the golf world is going nuts about. But I still feel like outside of the golf world, people are not fully realizing what is going on. My feeling today, and I wrote this kind of about it, is that. Today was essentially like our version of the 86 Masters, except for this time, Greg Norman like just piped every drive down the middle and stripped every iron into the middle of the green. Like he kept it, just didn't blink. He just didn't wilt. There's like, there's a lot of ways, like he's a lot like Norman that he's a fitness freak and he's kind of got that swag, hockey swagger to him, but he kind of rises to the moment instead of wilts in it. And like, my God, like imagine how many majors kept uh, Greg Norman would have won if he just kind of was like a badass in the moment instead of sort of had some bad breaks and and kind of wilted yeah i think it's interesting when you sort of juxtapose the open from or the uk what do you call it the uk the uk british open presented by her majesty (laughs) yeah (laughs) queen victoria's british open uh when, when you sort of juxtapose that to this i mean tiger held the lead at the open and that was a huge deal but it felt it this felt like a better performance, like, and it was a fuller performance because he did it up until the end. You know, I, I told whoever I was with at the time, I think KVV was there. Like it was, you, you could feel it coming down to what happened on seven to, to just the 17th hole. Mm -hmm. And when Tiger got on the 17th tee, he knew it. Like he knew that he had to probably make Eagle there to have a shot. 
and he took forever over the ball and he took forever on the tee box and he knew he had to hit a good drive there. And as soon as he, as he hung it out to the right, he knew that was it. He knew that was the championship. But then to see him make birdie on 18 was, man, that was, that was awesome. Like that. And I, I wrote like 9,000 words about this for CBS, <laughs> but like just the, the fist pump on 18 was unbelievable. I mean, it, it felt like we were in, 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 there were glimpses of this all week. He seemed, his swing seemed younger. He looked younger. I know I say this all the time. Like, oh, he kept his hat on. It well, yeah, yeah. <laughs> but and it sounds absurd. But like, he just the way he was swinging it this week was, it was really, it was incredible to watch. And uh, I, I did not see this performance coming. I thought he, had, I thought there was a chance of him missing the cut based on how he played at Firestone. Through two holes, it looked like he was going to miss the cut. Yeah, it looked like a ejection was coming and he just held it together and then almost freaking wanted on Sunday. I mean, yeah, he, I said this on Twitter. I was like, this is not a golf course that he should contend on. I mean, no. he needs a lot of drivers on it. The rough is pretty, is very penal and it, all the holes bend right to left and he yep. prefers to fade the ball off the tee. Like he lost strokes to the field uh, off the tee. He was negative strokes gained off the tee, lost 0.8 strokes, which isn't much, but I mean, to win, you basically need to be positive in everything. Kepka gained 5.8 shots off the tee. So he lost six and a half shots to Kepka off the tee and basically beat everybody else from everywhere else in. He was like 10th in strokes gained putting. He was first on Sunday in strokes gained approach. I mean, he hit the shit out of the ball once he actually hit it in play. He shot 32 on the front today without hitting a fairway. <laughs> I don't know if you could tell this on TV, but we Kyle and I were talking about throughout like the last thirty six holes. His tempo to me looked better than it has in twenty years. Yes. Like it, it was so buttery. It was the one question I kind of asked him in the week. I was like, just I don't like I, it doesn't make I don't know. It didn't say it didn't make sense, but I was just like, what did that feel like to just feel like every ball you were going to just completely flush? And he was like, yeah, I just. It, he was like, it just felt like I had the right distance on every club. Like I never had to hit a half club or step on it or whatever. And man, like if this tempo can continue, th- he's absolutely going to win a major again someday because it just oh, was yeah. so, it was like there was a metronome in his head. It was beautiful. He, I mean, his, those approaches today, you know, the all, like every, despite the fact that he's missing fairways right and left, every single one of his approaches was like inside of 10 feet in the first nine holes. It was nuts. Oh. I mean, he was so something that Paul Azinger said uh, to me a couple of months ago when we chatted, we just kind of were chatting about his golf game and kind of decline. And he's like, you know what? It's just hard to stiff it. Like, I can't stiff it anymore. I can go out and play a good round, but there's such a difference between hitting it to five feet and hitting it to 20 feet. He's like, I just can't stiff it anymore. And I always felt like, I was like, if Tiger really comes back, is he really going to be able to absolutely stuff it? Like, is he going to get the yardage and line right? to the degree that these guys have to do it enough to compete. And that is his biggest strength right now. And it's the most important part of the game of golf probably is your, your approach shot into greens. And there's really no one better at it, at him at it right now. And it's, it's absolutely astonishing. And I, I want to not, you know, spend the first 15 minutes of this talking, not talking about the guy that won it, but I think we kind of have to. I think this is very well justified. He, he he had over his last twenty-seven holes. I think he had seventeen looks at birdie from twenty-one feet and in. I mean, if we were we were joking this week, if Rory hit his drives for him, he would have shot fifty-six like three days in a row. I mean, the places that Rory was playing from and then making shooting seventy-two, like Tiger would have hit those. I mean, it was 
the way that Tiger was hitting his irons was just unbelievable. The, the, the fact that he was spraying it all over the driver and still scoring is surreal to me. Rory might hit it too far. He might. <laughs> he honestly might. Like he had, he, if he's not spinning his wet, he, he can't spin his wedges enough just because he flips it too far. But uh, I want to know: was any of you, either of you guys, there on the third hole when he stuffed it on the par three? Yes, we were both there. Yes, uh, I, I don't know if the PGA Championship, uh, their highlight package, their account, or whatever, if they juiced the audio on that. <laughs> But I watched that tonight with headphones on. I got the. I've watched it fifteen times. I'm not kidding. I've never heard a roar like that. It sounded like a football game. I mean, is that what it sounded like in person? Yeah, it was. It was unbelievable. I mean, there were times when, like, I was trying to like yell something to Kyle, and you couldn't hear the yelling like over. It was like Ryder Cup loud yeah. in that sense. I mean, if you remember the Ryder Cup where we would yell things to each other like "Oh my God," and you could barely hear your own voice, and that was what it felt like during a couple of those big things that the crowd was awesome. I mean, it, I, I was, you know, getting in a lot of Twitter fights with St. Louis and st- this week, just because I was kind of, you know, knocked Bell Reeve a little bit, but man, the, the crowd was unbelievable. The roar that, that happened when Tiger made the birdie on nine, maybe the loudest roar I've ever heard. And I wasn't even, I was like, just like way I was coming back to the green. I'd run in to check the editor and I, so I didn't really get to see it in person. But I, man, I felt the roar. I could feel it vibrating in my chest. And there's, he didn't end up winning, obviously. I think all of the excitement was completely and totally validated. Yet this time around, I, there was not one real chance today. As excited as I was, I didn't think he was going to win. Did you guys think he was actually going to win today? When he hit the, when he hit the shot on 15 and it almost fell, like he almost dunked it to tie it up, I, I thought he might win. That was a, <laughs> That was the first time where I was like this because even like if if we go back to the open, I, I told I can't remember it was if it was on our chat or somebody else. There's so many text threads going on. But, <laughs> uh, I, I felt like he was going to fade at the open and I did. I don't know if I felt like that today, but I certainly never at the open felt like, oh, my gosh, he's he's going to win the open. Uh, but today, when he hit the shot on 15, I was like, he might win the PGA. And mm. I had not felt that all week. Um, you know, it, it was it was so hard, though, because with Kepka starting three up, I thought Tiger had to shoot 64 better. And then he did. <laughs> and I was like, wow, this is like he went out and shot. The, like, we we cannot overrate the fact that he went out and shot 64 in the final round of him. I don't care if it was Bell Reeve or... <laughs> Valhalla or 5,500 yards St. Louis Country Club. He shot 64 in the final round yeah. of a major. He, I thought it, he might win until Kepka hit a weapons grade plutonium four iron to six feet on <laughs> 16 and rolled that putt in. That was one of, I would, was standing behind the green for that shot and it was stripped. I mean, it never left the flag. I think uh, if this is 2000, I mean, if this tap, if that round he plays happens in 2008, he wins. But there's yeah. just the talent levels in golf are just are just way too deep. I think um, if he'd have shot 62 today, he would not have won outright. Yeah. He would have been in a playoff. <laughs> like that's just goes to show how insanely good Kepka was. Uh, but I mean, yeah, the, the Tiger thing, man. That that 
being on the grounds, I'm, that's where I'm envious of you guys, just seeing how deep those crowds were. When, and you mentioned it, Porter, I think when he's walking up 18 and that, that ovation he got and that fist pump for when he made that putt and when he climbed the stairs up there, I was looking for you guys because I thought you might just be like running up to go hug him as he went up to climb the <laughs> stairs. But, hey, Tiger, can I get a quick picture? <laughs> Tiger, look, I'm wearing my hat backwards. Look, look, I got the same thing as you. Uh, and just see, looking down and seeing that sea of people. I mean, that was, that was, uh, I don't know, man. There's not a ton about golf that really gets us all super excited. And today was as fun of a round of golf. Even though he didn't win, I'm sitting here with a smile on my face thinking about the day of golf that we just had. You know what's weird, too? It's so is Tiger. Like, I, yeah. he hung around to hug Kepka after the round. And like there was a couple times during the round when he did like he was he would walk through the sort of tunnels of you know to the next tee and he was holding his hands out and like high-fiving little kids and he was sort of laughing a couple times with you know uh you know the the caddies and stuff and it was just it was a little bit different the, the intensity was still there as you obviously saw when he was super pissed on 17 but he was also I think enjoying it a little bit more and that was kind of neat to see of like someone who was so obsessed with doing this you know kind of march towards greatness previously in his kind of past life and now was able to kind of just enjoy it like this is all a little bit of bonus yeah my my favorite nuance on the grounds moment of the week was on 11 on saturday he had this just filthy stinger off the tee and he was leaning on his bag before it landed and it was like <laughs> seven feet off the ground and he had the monster bottle at his feet which was hilarious but uh he just kind of like put his arm he like put his forearm up on his on his driver up on his on his clubs and he just sort of he sort of took it all in like everybody there's nobody behind him everybody's kind of out in front of him on number 11 and he he just was looking around and you could tell he was thinking like this is pretty awesome. Mm-hmm. Like this is pretty awesome, and I I remember what this used to be like, and yeah. and it just you can tell it it, it invigorated him, and, and I don't know how it couldn't with how many people there were and uh, the way they were reacting to everything. But that that moment for me really stood out in terms of just uh, the way that we perceive Tiger and he perceives everyone else. And I don't care how obvious this is at this point, or it, it, the fact that I'm gonna I'm, I'm gonna mention this at every walk like I have so far this year, and I'm going to continue to in the future. This wasn't supposed to happen. We weren't supposed to have any of this. Like all of us, like had moved on. I think kind of mentally, and kind of looked at him as kind of a sideshow. And I'm guarantee in his head, he had to think that it was this was not going to happen. It, it, at no point over the last two years did it really feel like he was really confident that this this kind of thing would ever happen. Happen again, and you know, I mean, we got just some like bottom common denominator people on Twitter, like lowest common denominator people. Are like, oh, he didn't win. Why are we focusing on him? Ninety-five percent of people mostly get it, but it's like, man, this is could if if I had said, you know, if somebody had said that he'd had two top tens in majors this year, would you believe that before the start of the year? Like, yeah. if he'd have played in all four majors, I think that'd have been like a fifty-fifty bet. Yeah. He just reset the expectations like so quickly. You know, I can remember doing a pod with Bacon at the beginning of the year and being like, you know, all I want to see is him like play in all the tournaments that he wants to play in and not have to like skip some because of injury and, you know, make some cuts. And and that's about it. That's all my expectations were. And then all of a sudden, like he's in competitive at Valspar and he's competitive at Honda and Bay Hill. And it was like, oh my God. Like, I, I mean, I went from being like the number one Tiger 
like cautious skeptic to being like, come on, like let's you know let's just slow our roll a little bit. This to being like, oh my god, he's gonna win the Masters. <laughs> <laughs> just, I was shameless. Is that Elmo? <laughs> that might have been Elmo. Ah, <laughs> 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 the only listen I, you're not going to get any i told you so's from tiger the only i told you so or from me on tiger the only i told you so i'll give you is the the constant but what if he won that i would <laughs> <laughs> mostly jokingly throw in over the course of the years but now it's like a very real thing um i know people are going to kind of point towards the putt on 11 that needed one half of a revolution to fall yeah. and the putt on one that looked like it had to go down I don't think you can really point at that because I mean he made everything he looked at. He 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 made absolutely everything today, and uh, the three putt on seventeen on Saturday really really hurt. Um, but uh, one little nugget I got, I talked to JT a little bit, and he said the coolest moment of the day for him was when he had uh, his birdie putt on eleven. He said after he almost killed a person and uh, kicked twenty yards <laughs> left, he uh, he was reading his putt and they put Tiger's birdie up on the board there on eleven, and everyone went nuts. And then he, he made the putt on top of it. But he, like a, a competitor in the event is who's trying to beat this guy like thought that was a really cool moment when they put the birdie up yeah. on the board and everyone went nuts. Kepka, I think, even said you could hear the roars when Tiger made a birdie and then you could hear it like trickle around the golf course when they would post the scores. Like, yeah. how, how insane is that? That's some, uh, by the way, that's some irresponsible leaderboard management there. <laughs> to put a birdie up right before JT is trying to putt? My gosh. I think it's intentional. Yeah. But uh, it's, uh, talking about the Tiger just not knowing if he was going to be, be able to play. I mean, think about our conversations like 150 days ago. They were, man, is it, like, are we sure about his back? Yeah. And, and and that was so deep in our, in our like consciousness. And now we're talking about, okay, well, what, what club is he going to hit in here? Can't, can he turn over a draw? And to me, that's so much more refreshing that we're talking about the actual on course golf and the type of shots that he's hitting and, and what, you know, should he be using this putter or that putter than, uh, you know, is his fused spine get a hold up over the course of a season think about the beginning of the week when someone was arguing that he should be like a vice captain in the Ryder cup instead of being a player <laughs> that was next on my list porter you got ratioed man you're gonna have to you're gonna have a lot of explaining to do here yeah so i told kvv i literally could not have picked a worse day <laughs> in in 2018 to send out that tweet you could not have picked a worse thing to say i wouldn't worry about the day you chose it no but it it, it was supposed to be kind of a, a like a tip of the cap to Tiger's, not only Tiger's skills as a captain, but Finau's skills as like a birdie machine. So Finau's at the time was like making tons of birdies. You and don't Tiger have to me. I'm sorry. <laughs> <laughs> Just own it. It's like my rugby tweet. You, well, for you, those that didn't somebody, see it, let's somebody, tell people what you said. To, you you want me to say it out loud? Uh, yeah, I do. Uh, you have, you're going to wear this like a scarlet letter. Well, so he, to, to draw it back a little bit, I was talking to KVV and Media Dining. We were rehearsing Kepka DJ uh, Ryder Cup celebrations, like Bash Brothers celebrations, like literally rehearsing them in Media Dining to the ire of golf media everywhere. Uh, but during that, I said, you know what? I I think maybe I'm... I'm good with like Finau being a captain's pick and Tiger's being a vice captain. And my point was that if Tiger's a vice captain, he's the actual captain. And I think he's super into that and it's an awesome thing. And 
the guys on the team worship him and will do whatever he says. And I, I just think he provides so much value there. And KVV uh, ag- agreed with me. What? At the time, <laughs> yeah, he did. Did not throw himself in front of me. <laughs> <laughs> Encouraged me, even. And it festered in my head. And finally, I was like, you know what? This turn was boring. I'm just going to start firing takes out there on Twitter. And Never a good idea. I chose a bad time and a just a real bad moment to throw it in out. My, in Twitter's events, I think we can all agree that Tiger would never pair like Bubba and Webb together and just let that pairing kind of, you know, shit the bed at the Ryder Cup. Like Tiger would figure out a way to get something out of the two of them. And perhaps will someday when, you know, he's captaining at Bethpage or at whatever. But I understand the the, uh, the sentiment behind it. And uh, obviously doesn't look great in retrospect. I'm, I'm, I do own it. I'm going to leave it up. I'm going to make fun of myself. I'm fine with that. That's the only way to make this stuff go away. Is what I've learned. So I've uh, I've printed it. Actually, I want to I want to live ratio to get a little higher, and I'm going to print it and hang it in the kill house. So. Will you Will you actually give it to uh, give it to JT to hang in the in like the team room at the right? <laughs> that would be would be great. All right. Um, all right, KBV, I didn't warn you on this, uh, okay. but uh, I have a question for you that you're going to have to help me out with, and we're going to do this live. Okay. Uh, I want to hear how your golf game's been lately, what you've got in the bag, and I hear you've been on a little bit of a run, and I need to hear some details on that. What? Um, this man. is a live ad read is what I'm, t- what I'm telling oh, you. Oh, okay. Well, uh, I have been uh, playing pretty well with the uh, Callaway Rogue, uh, Callaway Rogue 3-Wood. And uh, Apex Irons, and uh, I've been shooting in the seventies. Uh, what's you what's know, your golf ball of choice? Uh, Chrome Soft, uh, and uh, putting with a, an Odyssey Seven now. And so, I mean, honestly, haven't ever played this well in my life on this uh, stretch, and didn't play particularly great at St. Louis Country Club on uh, Tuesday when I got a chance to play there. Amazing track, but. Um, normally like at my home club uh i'm flirting with breaking 80 every time so pretty uh pretty excited about the way that uh i'm hitting the ball that's good to hear uh i'm supposed to tell you as well that uh as much as i did enjoy my apex irons i'm rocking the x forge right now Mm -hmm. and i I honestly i do feel a bit like tiger hitting them like the way he looks and feels (laughs) over the ball like that's kind of how i feel i slightly different results but uh i feel a little bit transformed by the x forge irons and the chrome soft golf ball yeah, I, there's part of me that wants to try the X-Forge Irons. I don't feel like I'm, my game is quite uh, at, at ever, even close to your level, but you know those those things are so forgiving. It's almost like uh, I might have to just give them. A they shot really anyway. are very forgiving. I thought they would be. I, I I thought they were. You know, they're kind of a launch iron, and that wasn't that appealing to me. But I am actually in love with them. Uh, all right, I think it might be time to actually talk about the winner of the 100th PGA Championship at Bell Reef. All right. Uh, who would you like us to go first? It was Bru- would you like to I just about? wanted to mention that it was Bruce Koepka. We can, Koepka? We can move. Brooks, I, I, heard, uh, the, I heard it was Bruce Koepka. It was on the television, Bruce. <laughs> television box. McCord did it again today, which was just special, really. We're not going to do broadcast stuff because, you know what, they, they handled the in, ridiculous drama this weekend actually pretty solidly. So um, I just have a few. Also because I'm on the podcast. Correct. <laughs> that has something to do with it. Um. And I think it's like maybe the 20th biggest storyline of the week. I got a couple numbers I'm going to throw at you guys with Kepka as you guys can uh, can heat your takes up. Um, we all we know this now. He's won three of the last six majors he's played in. I actually kind of forgot that he skipped the Masters this year. 
Uh, he has been in the top five in six of the 20 majors he's played in. That's 30% of them. And mm. now see if you can follow this. So he's played in 20. He's missed the cut in two. In two of them, he finished T70 and T67. Okay. And then two, two others, he finished T33 and T39. Okay. So that's six of the 20 majors. Mm-hmm. In the other 14, his yeah. worst finish is a T21. Woo! Yeah. <laughs> Big game hunter. And a lot of people are kind of throwing like I'm trying to I'm kind of trying to wrap my head around it too. The whole like one he's won one PGA Tour event and now won three majors. Is there any real explanation for that? Like, is it part of me thinks like he just really truly doesn't care and like at some point he's actually going to even get bored with winning majors? But <laughs> what is the what could possibly be the explanation for that? He said today we were talking a little bit about it, not personally, but in the press conference. And uh, at he the gym. at the they gym, me and <laughs> we were getting a, a, set, a lift session and uh, like 15 minutes before his tea time. Uh, no, he said, I, I don't know exactly why it is, but I just feel a lot more focused when I come to a major. Every, just take everything more seriously. And I thought it, this, I don't think this was shade at all towards any of uh, the other younger guys, but he was like, I don't mess around when I come to major. I don't like stay with friends. I just stay in a house with my brother and my coach and I just watch TV and I don't do anything but like try to focus on the task at hand. And it made me kind of think like, you know, we laugh about like all these guys having a fun house table and having dinners and all this stuff and goof around, whatever. And I think Brooks kind of likes just maybe isolating himself for majors and just completely zeroing in and, and, you know, figuring out a way to destroy a golf course. Yeah, I, I haven't I have no idea why. I, I went back and looked it up. I think he's won three of three of twenty majors and one of eighty regular PGA tour events. And that, that seems irreconcilable to me. Here's the theory that I think is probably accurate. Is that like when it's harder, like the variance that of all the people that are able to sort of compete is is not quite as large. So if a lot of people can make birdies, then He's he's not necessarily going to like rise to the top in that sense. There was something interesting today that I sort of read that like if if all tournaments were ninety holes, like Tiger would have won a lot more tournaments because he just have more chances for. I think it was Bamberg writing about Zoysegrass, and he was sort of saying, <laughs> which is an amazing aside, but uh, it was he was saying you know that the more chances that great ball strikers get to sort of shine, the the better the kind of the cream is going to rise. And so yeah. in instances of, of, uh, you know, majors where everything is hard and every shot you have to execute and you can't get away with as much stuff that he's going to naturally be a little bit better than he normally would be. Because, you know, if I don't know, like Jadon Blake or whomever, it's sort of like in the tournament, Jadon Blake? <laughs> I just pulled the name out of, you know, let's, <laughs> let's just throw, I was shout out to Jadon, but like, Let's throw like a, a totally random person who you wouldn't ever think of winning a major, you know, hits a shot that goes offline. It might not be punished nearly as much. And that person still might be able to make a par or even a birdie in a regular tour event. But at a major, like if you go offline, you know, you might be completely dead. You might be looking at double bogey. And in those instances, Brooks doesn't hit as many offline. And even when he does, he's so strong that he can sort of hit it up onto the green anyway and turn that into a par. So I think. That's my working theory about why he's sort of generally better is because this not only the stakes are higher, but it's harder. And so he's just going to rise to the top more often. Why do you guys think that people seemingly have a hard time getting excited about Brooks Kepka? Mm. It's kind of been the question of the weekend, I think, in the, in the media center and among people who think about uh, 
these things often. I, I think that he is not, I think, I, I don't know, KVV and I were talking about this. Like when we think about Jordan Spieth and Rory McIlroy, we think of people that whether they win or lose, we care about it. And it's, and it's incredibly engaging. And I, I, I don't know that I have a great explanation. I think that, I think that we have caught a glimpse of those guys' minds and the way that they think about golf and the way they think about even the world. And I think we are intrigued by the way that they, and I'm talking about Spieth and Rory, the way that they think and play and react to things. And I think with Kepka, it's so at times robotic. Um, even if he doesn't mean for it to be, it just is perceived that way. It comes off that way. And I think when he doesn't give you a glimpse into the way that he thinks or the, or, or he, he doesn't, he doesn't provide, I don't think very many human moments. And I think because of that, sometimes we're not uh, as drawn to him as, as we might be by other guys. Yeah. I think it's kind of a, a cyclic, I don't want to call it a fallacy, but kind of a cyclical thing in that we find ourselves caring about Spieth and Rory, which drums up more interest on it, which kind of gives like all of us people in the media, the feedback on it that makes us want to keep talking about it, which raises the profile even more. And those guys have earned it. I mean, they, you know, four and three majors, you know, speaks 25 years old. Rory's what, 28, 29. Uh, so that, that is justified, but I just kind of wonder too, like why, and I get it. He just, he puts off this vibe and he says a lot of things like he doesn't love golf and he, calls people golf nerds. I don't know if that's a direct quote. Um, and just kind of a, overall acts a bit too cool for golf. But I mean, I feel like the people, Americans have been starved for a, like a young, like brutish player to come up and really exceed on the big stage and be a great team player in team events. Uh, and he's here. And I feel like it's just kind of like, and at the same time, along the different lines, Patrick Reed like wins the Masters. He's 27, 28 years old, whatever, wins the Masters, an American. And that was like a, a letdown for a lot of people. I just find it interesting that we have two like really like, – the two the two Americans that have won majors this year, I feel like in this country it's just not nearly as – it's not very well celebrated. I, I just I, – is it justified? I, I don't know. I guess people can't really control the way they react to things. Uh, react to things or what they get excited about but i just find the whole the whole thing kind of uh kind of interesting and the kind of the theory of tiger might be the only thing that actually matters <laughs> well I, I think the other part of it is that we, we are drawn to um debating about things and we're drawn yeah. to arguments and we're drawn to uh, and, and i don't even mean in like a skip bayless kind of way i mean in a in an intellectual fun kind of way and i think that and sort of the poster boy for that is Ricky Fowler. Like Ricky is interesting because you can pick a side and argue about it. And there's, there's something there. And with Kepka, I don't, there, there might be something there to argue about, but it seems like he's just like, there's just like one side of like, Oh, he's getting majors. And yeah, that's about it. Like it doesn't, it doesn't really feel like a, a fully formed um entity uh, like where you can get on both sides and really argue it out he said some interesting things in the press conference that i thought were sort of uh, you know i don't think it was him trying to soften his image but he said that he when he missed the masters this year he was sitting around on his couch and he said i wasn't quite depressed but i was definitely down and it made me realize that i i really do love golf and i love the competition and i wanted so badly to get back out there 
And it was the first time I think I'd heard him say, I really do love golf. And so I think some of it, what he was sort of, the way he came across was kind of maybe gimmick. And some of it was kind of like just sort of feeling still slighted of like, you know, I'm the U.S. Open champion and no one seems to sort of respect me. And I think some of that is true. He's right. Like I, as a media member, I need to do a little bit better job of getting to know Brooks and trying to kind of use whatever skills I have as a reporter to draw a little bit more out of him so that people get to know the real him. But it's also a two-way street. I think that he needs to like do a little bit more in terms of like, you know, what Rory, well, part of the reason we're so infatuated with Phil and Rory and Spieth and even Tiger is they do a really good job of explaining golf. Like no one is smarter about telling you about golf than Jordan is. He's just so good at putting you inside his head and explaining, this is why I want to hit that shot. And this is why this went this way. Whereas Brooks is often a lot like, you know, just hit the shot right there. And that, you know, it was a good shot. Mm-hmm. He, he's, he's not, yeah, he's not deeply like analytical and intellectual about it. And I don't think that Brooks is in any way dumb. I think that he's actually pretty smart, but I think that he's kind of private and he's a little bit guarded and he doesn't really like love the idea of sort of sitting there and going on and on the way that Rory and, and Jordan can. And so if, if you want to be a little bit more embraced by me, he was the Claude Harmon was complaining. His coach was complaining a little bit, but no one requested him after he shot a 69 in the first round. He's the defending us open champion. Well, guess what? From now on at every major, I'm going to request, you know, to talk to Brooks like we do with Jordan and like we do with Phil and like we do with Rory, because I want to hear his thoughts on the golf course. I want to press him a little bit and say like, if this is something that you want, then I'm willing to play ball with it because I do think that you are perhaps like one of the really great players in, in maybe in the history of this game. If he, I mean, if he wins 10 majors, who, you know, who, who, how could you say no? But yeah. you know, he has to be willing to kind of play ball in that sense too. And I don't know that he is. We'll see. Yeah, he hasn't, he hasn't uh, embraced, like you don't have to let everybody in. I don't think you should let everybody in, but I don't know if he's let anybody in. Yeah. And, and and it feels like he hasn't really embraced anybody that is able to sort of convey his story or bridge the gap. And I also think there's something there that's an intangible. Like I, there's there's not there's nothing that I can do to explain why Jordan Spieth is interesting to large masses of people. Like I I, I mean there there's a million reasons, but there there is an intangible reason that is unexplainable and. Mm-hmm. Spieth has it, and Kepka probably doesn't. And I, that's just sort of how it is. And I feel like we always have to find answers or try to find answers with all this stuff. And sometimes it's just who the person is, and, it's, and it will go unexplained forever. On that note, kind of how do we – this is an interesting question we talked about on the live show too is how does that really compare in your guys' minds to DJ? I feel like DJ is a bit more loved. We have a lot more of a history with DJ. Uh, who? It's a top, kind of a tricky question. The more I think about it, the more I don't know the answer to it. Whose career would you rather have? DJ with like 18 wins in one major, Brooks with four wins on the PGA Tour and three majors. Uh, right now, I'd rather have Brooks's. I mean, I, I DJ doesn't seem truly bothered by having failed in some big moments, but I think in some ways that's a little bit what makes DJ a little bit more loved. Is he's like he's screwed up in a lot of ways, and so a lot of people sort of feel like there's a little bit of like humanness to him. Brooks, I think, is so good and hasn't really had any kind of failure in a big moment that it it seems a little bit robotic, and so 
you know, we feel like we know DJ. We like saw him completely blow it at Pebble, you know, however many ten years ago. Like saw him blow it at Whistling. We saw him finally overcome some of that at at Oakmont. And I, I don't know. Does Brooks really want to like have gone all around the world and won like you know the Northern Trust and won in Kapalua? Like I don't know that he really cares. Like it doesn't seem to make like a huge difference to him. Maybe he would like it, but does it really make that big of a difference in your bank account or your overall happiness? Well, I I thought about it and I think like the answer from a media and like historic perspective, I think is Kepka. But if I'm like on a personal level, like DJ's top five in earnings all time on the tour has won 18 times. Like Mm -hmm. I think the better career is DJ's. I think that's, we can tend to overrate majors when that yeah. it's the most yeah. exciting thing to us and it is what really matters to us. But to those guys, and I know it means a ton to those guys to win majors and that's what they grind for, but I think that gap is a little bit closer than maybe the fan level of caring is at. Does that make sense? Yeah. I think people love DJ, though, because he just seems kind of chill. Like He just seems like he's, ah, cool. So does Kepka. Uh, Kepka, I don't think, has like, quite that same vibe. Kepka has a vibe of like, yeah, man, like this this shit is easy. Like, you know, <laughs> I mean, like, you know, but, but isn't that what we love? Like, isn't that as as a as a person who consumes sports, like, don't we sort of love that cocky? Like, yeah, this is easy. This is it's like the Matt Damon thing. Yeah. yeah. In, you know, for some, yeah, the DJ, our DJ tweeted that this week, but I, there's there is something different to it when DJ does it, Dustin Johnson. It's much more just like casual and like kind of like I don't care. Whereas with Kepka, it just seems a bit more intense and more like a, I'm I'm telling you I don't care if that makes sense. Absolutely. I mean, I like I'm sure DJ like does workouts because like he's sort of told to do some workouts. Like he's, you know, like, okay, you know, this is, we got to do our workouts today. Whereas Brooks is like, bro, like we got to get a workout in. Like, let's just rip off a bunch of cleaning jerks right here, right now in the hallway of this hotel. I don't even care. Like that's, that to me is Kepka's vibe. I can't, well, I just want to, I just want to want the only gloating I'll do on Kepka is I invented that guy four years ago, I think. And, uh, hey, can, you, and, can I get an assist on that? Oh, of course. It was a, it was a tag team thing. Uh, I forget what did we used to, we, we were our, the first fa- the fantasy team that you and I co-captained together. Yeah. In, like ninth was, place. <laughs> well, our first round draft pick was Brooks Kepka, like in 2015, we're which just, was we're ahead of our time, dude. We are ahead of our time, which was absolutely absurd. And then he won like his first event that he played. <laughs> <laughs> I just like um, to say, someday historically, we're going to look back and see that JT was kept off of a Ryder Cup team for Ryan Moore, and Brooks was kept off of a Presidents Cup team for Webb. Simpson? No, what was no, 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 no. The the captain's son, which was Bill Haas and and JB Holmes. <laughs> JB, it's still it's still astonishing to me. Like it used to be, my favorite stat was Patrick Reed's never finished top ten in a major. Now, as of right now, it is Justin Thomas has never played in a Ryder Cup. Inexplicable. My favorite is that the the U.S. Ryder Cup team won seventeen to eleven and didn't have Tiger or JT on the team. <laughs> hey, or Finau. Let's not forget Fino. I don't know if Fino's going to be there this either, though. This is it's going to get it's going to get interesting. I know we got the the top eight have been finalized, and we kind of did a Ryder Cup uh, podcast recap uh, a couple weeks ago that you know prognosticated on the captains' picks. I don't think enough has changed at this point. Um, I think it's Tiger and Phil are obviously locks. 
from what I've gathered, Kucher is going to be a lock. And then that fourth spot, I don't think anybody's knocked down the door enough to knock Bryson out of that spot that supposedly Tiger wants for him. Really? Bryson hasn't had a, a great last month. Uh, I think that uh, Ben Ben Karn, who, who's the who's the PGA professional? Kern? Ben, ben Kern. <laughs> ben Kern. If Ben Kern made the Ryder Cup team, what what would he? How would he react? Oh shit! That sounds great. I'll be there. You think you can get me some pants and fit? That sounds amazing. How about a Ryder Cup bucket hat? I like it. <laughs> ben Kern was like low key, like amazing all week. He was. I was secretly doing what I thought was the Ben Kern impression just by looking at Ben Kern. And turns out I saw him give an interview with Amanda today, and I was like, "Yeah, it's pretty close to accurate." <laughs> <laughs> what would uh, Chris Cheney is asking about? Uh, he wants to hear Gary Van Valken players' thoughts on Brooks. But first, what does Gary, what does Gary think about Ben Kern? <laughs> Dear God, man, it's a, a teaching professional. He needs to get a nutrition professional. If all eyes, if I. I ought to take that young man under my wing and make him run gases every morning all the way up the fifth fairway and then all the way back to the tee. And then he'd hit his shot and then run down and get it and hit it again. <laughs> and what do you think of Brooks? I mean, Brooks looks to be in a pretty good physical condition, Mr. Player. Oh, thank God another fatty didn't win a championship. After <laughs> after Jason Duff, Duffner, I was a bit concerned at the direction the game was going. But now a fine fitness specimen is as our PGA champion and our US Open champion. I'm not I'm not a member of the United States, but it makes me feel patriotic to see someone that fit holding the trophy. <laughs> oh, I think Mr. he's taking on Mr. Player's gluten-free diet that's uh, served him very well. No gluten at all, of course, just a very, you know, animal parts and vegetables. Uh, I just want to say, God, I can't recover from that. Uh, today was probably the most lit the Kill House has ever been during a viewing uh, of an event that we kind of still thought uh, was 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 soda. We didn't really talk much about Adam Scott. I mean, that was kind of an out of nowhere performance. And <laughs> Tron's tweet of "If you have two putters, you don't have one." That just <laughs> that ruined my day. That slayed me. Now, your your tweet of uh, Adam Scott brought two knives to a gunfight <laughs> was. <laughs> I was I was literally trying to watch Tiger win his fifteenth major, walking the fairways of Bell Reef, thinking about that tweet. <laughs> I would just like to point out that I saw Adam Scott on the putting green with the short putter last night, and I was like, "This cannot be real! Like he cannot be debating a putter change the night before trying to win a major." And I brought it up in our chat, and like everyone's like, "Oh no, no, Duvall thinks it's just a drill. Like he's he's not really gonna like." switch putters or whatever and i was like i don't know like seems like he's really like grinding over this and then we he shows up the next morning with two putters like one for and i didn't even see did he use the short putter much like it seemed like he was mostly doing the long putter so he must have just decided at some point like all right i'm good with whatever this is. well i think the short putter was for long putts and the long putter was for short putts but i think he just used the long putter for he everything did, he didn't have a putter for five footers with the tournament on the line oh so. oh god Man, that's the shot you're gonna take after that performance from Adam Scott. I mean, quarter. I thought you, I thought you were more highbrow than that. Well, I told KV that was a good one. That was told, a comment. I told KVV, <clears throat> he goes, uh, <laughs> he came up to me on 18 because I was watching Tiger and he was following Scott and Kepka, and they had shown Scott's miss putt on 17 on the on the big jumbotron on 18, and he walked up and goes, "Yeah, Scotty just missed a short one," and I said, "Well, maybe he needed three putters and not two. <laughs> 
At what point? How do you decide? Like, okay, this putt's a short putt. No, wait. What's the distance? Is it like twenty-five feet? Is that a is that a long putt or a short putt? I'm just I'm ready for the 2028 Masters when <laughs> Phil plays with eight drivers and six putters. <laughs> it's actually not that hard of a decision when to hit third driver or sixth driver. Phil actually still I think toggles between like the pencil grip and like a normal yeah normal handed grip. Phil's so the, I don't know. Phil's the only putter I think who's been like kind of good at putting who will literally change grips within the middle of a round. Yeah, I don't understand how that works. Uh, I'm getting going to dive into some questions here. Ken Tessier wants to know when the last time you guys heard roars like today was. I mean, it's got to be Ryder Cup. That's the only time I think we would really compare it. The Rory uh, Patrick Reed match. Uh, I mean, we, you know, both Kyle and I didn't really cover any of Tiger's prime. Uh, by the time I think I was covering majors, he was in the midst of, you know, back troubles. And so, uh, you know, it's, I, I could, not me. yeah, I can't really compare it like to 2008 or whatever, but I would definitely say uh, that was this, the Ryder Cup. Uh, yeah, I think so. I, I would even say like some of the, ter- some of the masters that I went to before I was covering golf, uh, what was what was the Masters that Tiger and Phil played together, and they both went out in like thirty one or whatever? Yeah. That that. Oh uh, yeah. I think it was like oh nine maybe. That that was as that was probably as loud as I've ever heard any golf tournament other mm-hmm. other than the Ryder Cup. And this one, this one was up there. The shot he hit on nine, that big hook, he hit to like ten feet. Mm-hmm. I mean, people were people were losing their minds, it, and yeah. it, I mean, people were running around everywhere, and it was just it was pandemonium, and uh, it was pretty cool. I mentioned those highlights earlier, and I, I kind of realized that I didn't hear the crowd noise earlier because every putt he made, we just started screaming at the top of our lungs, just <laughs> shrill, loud yells, getting up, dancing. Tron did the Ray Lewis dance at one point. I'm pretty sure. <laughs> uh, did you guys, uh, Nick or dog, dog fan 1978 wants to know, he wants to ask about Shipnuck's story. Have you guys read it yet? I haven't read it yet. Uh, I think I know a little bit what it's referencing. Um, you know, I, I'd read the little, uh, uh, excerpt that, um, I think oh. you shared about how Kepka's really kind of still angry at, uh, golf.com for not putting Joey D the trainer and on the cover of the magazine. Cause that was sort of the original, um, you know, discussion that that's what, you know, they were, Alan was going to do a story about, uh, Brooks and about DJ if, uh, and they basically agreed to do it because that, you know, it was going to talk about their training regimen and Joey D and, and I know from talking to Alan that like they the fully the intention was always to put the three of them on the cover. And then the photographer sh- shot it in a way that was just really difficult because those two guys are really tall and Joey D isn't. And so, they ended up just having to use a shot that was of the two players and, and Kepka I think is fiercely loyal uh, and was just upset about it. And so when Alan asked him a question in the press conference tonight, Brooks basically iced him and, and basically, you know, gave a two word answer uh, and didn't even look him in the eye. Whereas he was, you know, pretty for him, like uh, engaging with other reporters. So it's kind of, it's too bad. I mean, it's, you know, really the, the best, I think, uh, long-form golf writer that we have, and maybe one of the best players are sort of in an openly weird feud, but uh, <laughs> who knows. And the part about it that shocked me the most was at Shinnecock. I never heard the story of, uh, I guess, Chipnuck was asked not to ask a question in the presser, and then uh, Kepka saw him sitting in there after winning the U.S. Open and pointed at him and said, you, out. Mm-hmm. 
and tried to kick him out of the press conference. It's like, it, man, it, that it, is cold-blooded. It honestly sounded like a, kind of a misunderstanding mm-hmm. of sorts. And maybe there's more there, but that's... that. It, yeah, there has to be more to that, I would think. Yeah, but, I mean, I look, I, I I like Brooks fine, but I'm not at all on the side of any player who thinks they can throw people out of a press conference uh, because yeah. of some thing. I mean, I think that's bogus, and I would say yeah. that to Brooks' face. Like, what about you a know. <laughs> don't go there kyle don't go there don't try to trap me and get me in trouble <laughs> moving on uh i don't know this guy at brendan parath uh <laughs> wants to know how is kevin handling the t35 from billy i don't i'm not sure if i should tell the story or porter should tell the story so, i think i think i'll give it to porter so at the PJ Championship, you get a you get a card that they very generously give you a free uh, shirt from the from the merchandise tent. Well, <laughs> Kevin forgot his the first like five days of the event, and so he comes on Saturday, gets his shirt, or he comes on Friday, gets his shirt. He's wearing it on Saturday, and it's a good shirt. Yeah, it's a great looking shirt. Ralph Lauren. Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah, and uh, so we're walking on the eleventh hole right after Tiger's just disgusting stinger and i said i said did you know you have a billy horschel logo on the back of your shirt and it just says be ho and uh he goes no i did not this was my pga championship shirt that i was that i picked up at the merchandise tent and i took a picture of it for him and he was like wow i guess i have to ride for billy horschel for the rest of the year i think that's the punishment is for one year i have to be like a huge billy ho fan oh i like that yeah so i mean billy if you're out there we riding baby (laughs) uh porter i need to ask you too i think your your man carson cunningham uh wanted me to ask if you got roasted by rory this week yeah so uh i'll like i'll let kvv tell this so this is when people ask, like, why do we like Rory and why is Brooks, like, you know, a little bit uh, sort of we're slower to embrace him in the middle of a major championship in which it's on Friday. So Rory is still like potentially in this. He hits a, a pretty good shot into, I want to say, like eight or something and the, and misses a, a birdie putt. But and as he's walking to nine, he spots Porter and he looks at Porter wearing these sweet dad socks that he's got going on that are about halfway up the calf. <laughs> And he says to Kyle, you look like you're about to go play Federer, aren't you? And uh, and Kyle's like, yep, let's do it. And, you know, that's just Rory. Like, in the middle of a major, he will spot a media person who he's friendly with, and he will give them shit. So I did I did uh, confront him in the Follow locker up. room. Yeah. It, was a, it, was a, it was a real Kepka ship situation, actually. <laughs> No, it wasn't. Uh, I can, I talked to him in the locker room, and I said, you know, you're coming at me about my dad's socks. Like, I'm, you know, you start having kids, and we'll see what kind of socks you're wearing. And he goes, he goes, uh, you know, it, it was just, it was a little much. It was a little strong for me. And uh, I said, well, I, you know, I, I apologize. Uh, Elliot Smith wants to know, is, is Porter addicted to cigarettes now? <laughs> I felt like I needed one in the middle yeah. of that round. I've never had a cigarette, but if, if I was going to have my first one, it would have been today, or it should have been today. 
So uh, we were not really didn't talk about it much on the podcast, but kind of in Twitter and on the live show on our end, we were pretty tough on Bell Reeve coming into the week. What was your guys kind of stance on the golf course before the week, how it played for the tournament and how you left feeling about it? Here, here's 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 my final take on this for the week. And I, I think I finally formed this today in the same way that we lean into the U.S. Open as this preposterous difficult, just absurd event that we know is going to go badly in some way. I think we all have kind of leaned into that over the, over the last few years, because you can go the other way and just complain about it and whine and whatever, like, you know, they've lost, they've lost the course, but I think, I think think we've all learned to lean into that. I think in the same way, there's an opportunity to lean into PGA championships that are like, you just know that it's going to this easy course that probably is not memorable, mm-hmm. but that is going to produce a really good leaderboard because guess what? Any course right now produces a really good leaderboard at a major because there's so many great players. Mm-hmm. And I think, I think that there's an opportunity to, to lean into that. And I think what overwhelmed the course being whatever mediocre was how good the the galleries were, the fans were. Yeah, I mean, yeah. that was my biggest takeaway was like, and, and Tiger said it, he's like, I can't wait to come back here. And guess what? They are going to come back here because yeah. it was awesome being out there. And part of that was Tiger. Part of that was him playing well. But there were, there were enormous amounts of people all over the course. And uh, I, I was, I was kind of taken aback and blown away by that. Yeah. I mean, I was a little bit critical of the course. Uh, and I think, I think the criticism is still justified. Like it's, there isn't a lot of strategy. Like you only could play it one way. And this isn't just like me, you know, eight handicapper saying that it's over and over throughout the year, the players were essentially, or excuse me, throughout the week, the players were like, you know, I'm not going to say there's no strategy, but you know, there's no strategy. And like, there isn't really any indecision. Like you're not, ever trying to like worry about what club to hit and those are all like real quotes and Spieth saying you know like there's just not a lot of like trouble around the greens which takes away some of my advantages like all of those things are true but we also I think said all throughout the time that it could still produce a great tournament like I I think that when you have all holes that are kind of similar and they all most of them you know bent to the left it's just kind of like every single guy was just taking driver and just you know or taking iron on the shorter ones and there wasn't really kind of any uh, thought to it. It was just like, all right, it's right in front of you. It's what we're going to go after. Now, Kyle's right. Like, the crowds are just awesome. And so I think the what I was sort of hoping is that, like, people in St. Louis could sort of separate the two. Is like, you all turned out and were great, great fans this week. That doesn't mean that the course is, like, a great course. It still produced a great championship. But I also think, and this is true, I think of, I, I was thinking a lot about this and the way that Kyle was thinking about it. I think we need to be a little bit careful in letting some of our kind of snobbery like permeate the way that we look at some of the majors. Like I think we all know we we think about golf and care about golf more than 99% of the people and they don't really care about a Redan or a road hole or, you know, a, a B Ritz the way that we might, because we are constantly sort of looking for those kind of courses to play and trying to appreciate what they mean historically and stuff. And so as people who are sort of kind of in the media, we need to appreciate that some people just want to watch any kind of golf. And they're not really, I think it would be great if they did educate themselves enough and care enough to understand like what does make a good golf course. But, you know, that shouldn't really be 
our focus too much because it can kind of really come off as really snotty in the long run. I, I'm with you on that. I do think that probably people listening to this and following us are at least in that kind of 5% that do care about this. Now, there's definitely people listening to this that are sick of us talking about it, whatnot. I think what we've maybe been even most guilty of and myself maybe most guilty of is kind of explaining why some of this stuff matters or, or getting the point across. I don't mean explaining as if like I know and somebody else doesn't, but like for me, it's just not that interesting to watch guys play target golf. Like I didn't just kind of be able to, all those holes that dogleg left and that kept kicking hit cuts and still land them in the fairway and have it stop. Like, I don't think that's very good test of golf. I just yeah. think that it's way, and it, it, a lot of things are out of the, you know, the superintendents and the setups control, like it's the course is soft. They've gotten a lot of rain that they knew that they were going to a very humid place in August. And that's the way it was going to play. I think it was what's important is that guys get tested in different ways and have to play different styles. And I look mm -hmm. back, it's so easy to point at Carnoustie as, as being a great example and the way that played firm, but just the way that third hole played and the way that sixth hole played where it's like, all right, if on the sixth, if you want to take, take it near the out of bounds and go through that lane, that's fine. But if you want to bail, right, you're going to be in these pop bunkers probably, and probably not be making birdie. There was just none of that consideration at all. That kind of goes into that design and into the setup. It's like hit it long and straight to here. And now flush an iron right at the flag and land it close to it. Now, listen, this provided incredible drama. There's nothing I would have, other than Tiger winning, there's nothing I would have changed about that tournament. Like, that was awesome. It created a theater. I think they're fortunate that it worked out that way. Yep. Um, and it's, it was not a guarantee. And Tiger being involved in it is just going to throw every other, anything else out the window. Nothing matters. Nothing else yep. matters. So maybe we do overstate the importance, but I also think it's like part of the game of being tested wasn't really there this week. Yeah. A lot of long hitters rose to the top the same way they do on a lot of PGA Tour setups that are set up f like for the bombers and favor just the long hitters that want to be able to stop it where they want to. So that's kind of where it is a negative for me. Now, if we get an exciting tournament like that, like just I, I said, I said, I tweeted this today. I said the Masters is the is known for the pageantry. The U.S. Open is known for the brutality, the Open for the history, and the PGA just give me all of the cocaine, like all of it. Like that's what that that's what today felt like. Like just give me all the yeah. drugs. That's, I, I don't care about anything else. I heard you guys talking about this on the live show. I think <clears throat> Friday or Saturday, or I think it was Saturday night, and it was like just set it up to put sixty in play. You know, yeah. Just yeah. lean into who you are as a tournament, yeah. and if that's just outrageous scores then so be it you know and i don't know you you can probably go too far the other way but i think that for the people that are like i, I i've learned to love the u.s open i think we all have for for what it is but for the people that hate it it's like okay well then go watch the pga because it's the exact opposite and it's amazing that no one like was kepka's performance this time really that different than what he did at aaron hills like he bludgeoned the ball he hit it, you know, great. And it's like, because, but one was called the US Open, one was called the PGA. People claimed to say they were annoyed at one and they were sort of embracing mm. this. And mm, so that's a good point. Yeah. yeah. I mean, I, I think the way that I always sort of explain this, the golf course thing to people of like well, different styles and different plays, like what's the most really stunning performance that's really ever happened in our lifetime? Is Tom Watson almost winning the British Open at 59 mm -hmm. years old? He didn't play the same way that Stuart Sink or that you know, any of the other sort of big like guys in their prime did then he was able to run the ball along the ground and he was able to do different kinds of stuff. And that's what makes golf fun is that you can be 
stand on the tee with someone and you might be of equal ability, but you might have totally different styles of playing it. And that's what Lynx golf allows. And that's what's neat. And this, there's no way like a 59 year old person could have competed in this championship in any way, shape or form. It's <laughs> 45, okay. I think he's almost, he's a little older than Tiger, but, uh, how great would it be if Stuart Singh beat Tiger and ruined the two best <laughs> of all time? <laughs> made for an easy story. <laughs> uh, dream killer. Will, Stuart Singh. <laughs> Will Gray had a really good tweet. He said the following can all be true at the same time. PGA offers high drama and crowns major worthy champions. PGA trails other three majors in interest and intrigue. Bell Reeve produced a stacked leaderboard and drew eye-popping St. Louis crowds. Bell Reeve is a monotonous and unmemorable layout. Yeah. I thought that, that sums it all, all up very well. Nailed it. A couple more things before I let you guys get out of here. I, I forget if I said this earlier. Uh, I jotted this down. There's been 29 players after World War II that have won three majors, and Brooks Koepka is one of them. Wow. Uh, the only people to ever win the U.S. Open and the PGA in the same year? It's a, it's a joke of a list. Sarazen? Hogan, Nicholas, Tiger, Kepka. Oh, um, if I set the over under at five and a half career majors for Kepka, where do you go? I think over. Right now, I mean, I know five, like six majors is an enormous amount, but like he's just kind of getting started. Like I, I, I just, so my sort of viral tweet of the week was a joke about like. 2029 <laughs> Kepka just won his seventh PGA to go with seven US Opens and he was like doing sit-ups during the trophy ceremony being like I don't know I don't even care I don't even like golf that much but like that that response the first the first response the first what was the first the first response, first response said <laughs> <laughs> this, this was also Kepka's 15th overall win and he's now eligible for the Hall of Fame <laughs> <laughs> so like, I mean, what's going to stop Brooks from, like, competing in the U.S. Open and the PGA and being the favorite in both for, like, the next decade? Like, uh, yeah, I'll, maybe JT? That's about it. Like, I'll go. There's nine, sorry, nine guys, just for perspective, nine guys post-World War II that have won at least six majors. I'll go under. I, I think that we we do this thing yeah. right after majors where we're like, oh, well, this guy's going to win, like, eight. And I think I gave Keck a 10 earlier. <laughs> I think only four guys have won 10 that I gave. Rory's still got six pending for him to get to the total that I had him at. So. Yeah. Uh, and, and it's just, it's not, I mean, I mean he, he, obviously he's proven over the last, I think he's got now 12 top 15s since 2014 at majors, which seems yeah. impossible. Yeah. Uh, but I, there's just so many guys and so few majors. Mm-hmm. And so I, I think that, and and the other thing is like, so he's twenty eight. How how long how long a does he want to play? And how long does his? I mean, he talked about this in his presser. How long does his body hold up? Yeah. You know, he's had yeah. he's had some injuries. He's struggled with that a little bit. So I'll, I'll go under uh, your your number. Yeah, and I mean for baseball players, tw- pa- I mean twenty eight's past your prime. So if he still kind of wants to grind out that AAA career, he's going to have to probably get involved in that scene pretty shortly. <laughs> Why do they do the Dion and play both sports, man? Yeah. It's- <laughs> The Phil, yeah, the Phil. We, you know, that's another thing we haven't talked about is that we were quickly reminded uh, this this week of that Phil's minor league baseball career when he thought that he was going to make the major leagues, and he, he had a little pitching session with the Toledo Mudhens, I believe, and he topped out around sixty seven on the radar gun, and uh, the Tigers decided not to offer him a contract 
Phil could have been a first two sports star. Wow. <laughs> did not know that. Didn't, did you have another uh, Kepka take there? I didn't mean to cut you off there. Yeah. So I, I, my one question in the press conference was essentially like, you're, if you stayed on this pace, you could be one of the great players of all time. Uh, how does that feel? And he was like, wow, like I never actually thought about that at all until right now. And that's really cool. And he's like, I, he said, essentially, like it's a quote in my column, you know, I, I'm actually really kind of excited to compete with these guys for the next, you know, however long I can do it. Like Tiger's back and JT and DJ and, you know, Rory and Spieth are all great. And he's like, I'm, I really, he was like, I know how to keep, tra- take care of myself better now. And I know kind of what I want. And I think he's actually, there's a chance that he's going to be really driven and be like, you know what, how many of these can I rack up? I'd like to, I'd like to win six or seven of these. So I, I'm going to stick with my overtake. Um, we got a question from, uh, I just want to say this Twitter handle, at Thick Moranis. Um, <laughs> predictions for the lowest Big Cat gets in his, the official world golf ranking for the rest of his career. For the lowest he gets? Uh, yeah, um, that's a good one. He's 26th now. I could see him getting up, uh, I would say, four. That's my uh, thing. I don't. He's not ever going to make it in the top three, uh, especially because I don't know that he'll play quite enough. Um, you know, it's, I think he's going to go back to the sort of 16 tournament sort of a year type thing, but, uh, I'll go four. KV or KP. Yeah. Um, I was going to say fifth, if that matters to anyone. I was, I was thinking, I don't know. Yeah. I'll, I'll go a little higher. I'll, I'll say, I'll say eighth. I, I think that, um, you know, I was asked after I, I did a, a radio hit after the, after the event and i was asked you know this definitely means tiger's gonna win another major right and i said i was sticking with my prediction that he'll win again on the pga tour but that he won't win another major mm-hmm. and i think it i think the same thing about him that i think about kepka that we just we ride and not to be a buzzkill but we ride the eye all day and then it's like well you know there's only four of these a year and yeah. uh tiger's gonna be 43 next time one of them is played and uh, I think that's the thing. Like when we talk about Tiger, we never talk about his age. Yeah. We talk about his back. We talk about his game. We talk about all these different things. It's hard to win a major when you're 43. Yeah, he's a young 43 though. <laughs> he hasn't been through that much from a body perspective. Yeah, no, yeah, no, you're you're right. You're right. Uh, but uh, a year from now, who's ranked higher, Rory or Tiger, in like world golf rankings? Oh my God, how do you not say Tiger right now? Unless you're banking on injury, it's got to be Tiger. Yeah, he's uh, Rory's game. I think, and he would admit this, uh, is not in great shape at the moment. It's it, it's not. But it's. I know he talks about being really close, but like he actually is. Like he's not hitting it close to the hole right now. But it's not like he's hitting it off the planet. He's still. It, it's so screwed up because he's playing from just where illegal places where he's playing from essentially, and he can't hit it close to the hole. It, it, so his scores aren't high. And I know it's a hard thing to get back to the Azinger thing. It's hard to stuff it. Like it's the hardest thing to do is stuff it. He doesn't look. He looks pretty clueless right now in trying to stuff it. But I, I don't, I don't. I'm, no, I'm not like comfortable that he's not gonna, you know, do what he does at the Ryder Cup. He's not hitting it off the planet, but he is hitting it off the scoreboard. <laughs> this is uh, that's a very true thing to have. Did you talk to him about that at all? Uh, not really. That no, didn't come up. I think Ryder Cup could be super rejuvenating for him little bit different kind of pressure yeah. and i mean i think last Ryder cup was literally one of the greatest Ryder cup performances of all time even though they didn't win and he didn't beat reed in the final like he dragged them as far as he could 
And so I think home home game for the for the Euros, and they're going to be rowdy and raucous. And I think he could totally like get some juice going into the you know the off season with just that kind of performance. I mean, I you, I, I know you think that the U.S. is going to roll, but strange I strange things say that. happen. Okay, the U.S. is is in good shape. Going to win. Strange yes, gonna win. shit happens overseas for the U.S. We all know that they have not won in what since ninety one. Yeah. Europe, ninety three. Yeah, I think, uh, I think the thing that's encouraging about Rory is that I, I don't really think he's, I don't think this is a hot take. He's not swinging it very well. I don't think he thinks he's swinging it that well, but he's still scoring. Like I, th- yeah. I th- that's why I thought the open his open uh, performance was was kind of unbelievable to me because I did not watch him one time and think, man, Rory's playing great right now, and then all of a sudden he's he's T2 at the end and you're like, I don't, I don't understand how that happened. And it, and it was sort of a, a Spethian performance. And obviously you weren't going to summon that this week in this field with these scoring conditions. But I, I do think that there's a sort of learning experience to be had when you're wandering a little bit with your swing of like, Hey, I can still score even though I'm not swinging it that well. Bacon had a, a tweet today of uh, he said he chose the most interesting name that finished T two in, in a major, but the it, the runners up at the majors this year, Masters Ricky Fowler, U.S. Open Tommy Fleetwood, U.K. British Open presented by Her Majesty Roy McIlroy, PGA Championship Tiger Woods. Pretty good, pretty good. <laughs> How would that major season have been? <laughs> Quickly before we go, I got uh, questions. A couple questions about was JT pissed at Lowry. Uh, he said he was not. He was. They were waiting for a to get a ruling from a rules official, and the rules official just took forever to get there. I think so. He went ahead and hit out a turn there on seventeen, but there was no no uh, no bad blood between the two of them. I don't think. And wanted to get. Oh, I want to say uh, sorry to all the folks in the UK that couldn't watch because it wasn't on television. Uh, that's kind of ridiculous. <laughs> Disgraceful. How are young kids going to not grow the game if I can't see it? This Brooks Kupka. Is hitting it a, a bloody mile, and he can't even see it in Ireland and England and South Africa. Uh, in case y'all missed it, a couple of Americans dominated it. Uh, just, just in case, and six of the last eight majors have gone to Americans. Just throwing that out there. Um, and also a shout out to Julian Surrey finishing T nineteen. I want to say I warned y'all about Kepka. I'm warning you guys about Surrey as well. Uh, he's a sandbagger, but he is an immense talent. At, once he starts playing on the PGA Tour, you guys are going to see a lot more of. Anything else from your guys' perspective on that we would have maybe missed? Closing thoughts, KP? Ben Kearns? Uh, this is major season, wrapping it up. It's kind of sad. Whew. Yeah, we got 242 days until the Masters. I think that it's going to be really interesting in the off season to see uh, how much time uh, KVV and Billy Horschel get to spend on the range together. Uh, you know, just working on their games and just working some stuff out in the off season. I mean, you know, I'm ready for some little little gumbo with me and Billy. You know, <laughs> gonna really, uh, we're gonna, I'm sure we're gonna talk literature and uh, I don't know. I mean, I mean, shout out to Billy. Like he's he has some <laughs> fine fine clothes and they fit well on a 250 pound man as they do a 180 pound man. So. <laughs> no, this this. Uh, this week's been a lot of fun. Uh, we we miss everybody, uh, obviously the whole crew being here. But but KVV and I have have had fun. I, I love. I tweeted this this morning. I I love major championship Sundays. I think that you get you get these guys that are 
millionaires and famous and just superstars they get they get kind of laid bare a little bit like out in the open they get a little wild-eyed they get a little uncomfortable and it's just i think it's so fun to take in and to think about and to write about and i don't know like we're super nerdy about it obviously but that's just a it's a very compelling and, and human thing to me and i'm i'm bummed that we have to wait you know eight more months i get i mean we do have the Ryder cup um but i'm bummed that we have to wait eight more months until the masters yeah i think i'm gonna be solo correspondent friends of the pod over in Paris. so that's what it sounds like drink all the wine and eat all the wine and cheese and and hopefully send out some fire tweets god i want to have you on afterwards speaking french after the u.s wins 18 and a half i told you the u.s was in trouble <laughs> had to throw that little nugget in there for any of the euros that made it this far in gentlemen thank you for lasting till almost midnight uh on a sunday night on the road appreciate it. your inputs as always and uh safe travels getting home good, bud. thanks Alex. cheers boys be the right club be the right club today yeah! Yeah! Johnny, that's better than most how about him that is better than most. Better than most! <laughs>